0: So be ready to turn in your Bibles to a few different places. You can find the book of Romans. In fact, why don't we just get these here and you can mark them or use the ribbon of your Bible. Uh, Romans chapter 12, if you can find that ahead of time, that would be great. So Romans chapter number 12. And then uh, Ephesians chapter 4. You're going to want to have that one ready to go. So Romans 12. Ephesians chapter 4, and then one more, one more passage. So, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and then 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Okay? So, if you can find those, that would be great. And I'll try to, we'll have most of the scriptures on the screen, but I try to encourage people to have them Their Bible's open as much as possible. So, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, now, on the front of your notes tonight, let's start with our theme verse. I won't have you turn to that one because we've already got a lot of places that you're holding. So, our theme verse for our series Disciple is the Great Commission. So, Matthew 28... 18 through 20. Let's read it out loud together tonight, and I'd encourage you to just jump right in. The sound of your voice, of your own voice projected, it will it will help invigorate your senses as we prepare to dive into the Bible study tonight. Is everyone ready to invigorate their senses as we read this passage? You can really smile at me a little bit tonight. You 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 know help me out just a little. There you go. Fake it if you have to, just to make me feel better. There, oh, there, there we go. Good job. That, that, that helped me out. So here we go. You ready? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, begin together. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. 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 So, this is the Great Commission. And from this, we have our making disciples principles. This is what we're emphasizing every week. And here we are already on the seventh week. Uh, the scriptures teach us that disciples are People who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. This is just what we do as Christians. It's part of the journey of following Jesus. It's expected that as disciples, we would be part of the disciple-making process. And each week, we're emphasizing that that word there in verse 19, go ye therefore and teach. That's the word that could be literally translated, discipleize or make disciples of all nations. Now, that's number one. Disciples make disciples who make disciples, etc. Number two, Jesus gave us a process, but also a pattern for making disciples. The process is right here. We proclaim the gospel, we baptize believers, and we teach them the word of God. It's a replicable process uh, process that we've been given. Give the gospel, baptize believers, teach them all the things in the word. But there's also a pattern And that's what we've been uncovering in this this series. What does the Bible show us about the pattern? How does it actually work out in real life and in the things we do and the way we spend our time and the things that we emphasize? And then the third principle that I continually share with you that I think is possibly the most important of all the principles is number three, discipleship involves the whole church all of us. It's not an optional thing. We're all called to be a part of it. So we've got these six topics. Uh, Last week was number six, where we talked about how important it was just to be faithful, being faithful. Well, this week, if you open to the inside, you'll see that our seventh, our seventh message on this is use your gifts. Use your gifts. So we're going to talk tonight about spiritual gifts. It's a very important topic, spiritual gifts, and the fact that spiritual gifts are God's tool that he has given to us for the purpose of this discipleship. We are all given these gifts. Well, we'll see. I'm getting ahead of myself. So there's really three key passages. Now, I'm going to ask you some discussion questions after we read, Okay, so let's read. I want you to be thinking, marking, underlining, jotting down so that when we get to the discussion part, you'll be ready to go. So, in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, let's, let's read this carefully and deliberately. I'm not going to rush through it because I want you to think about it. Mark some things that stand out to you. Romans 12, 3 through 8. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. And every one members one of another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation he that giveth let him do it with simplicity He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now I want you to take a minute, just glance through that again, mark or underline all the things that stood out to you in there. I'll give you just a minute to do that. All right, let's move over now to 1 Corinthians 12. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. Now, I want you to see, I want you to, as we read this, I'd like for you to point out what things are similar in what we've read. Okay? So, see if you can spot the similarities. So, 1 Corinthians 12 now. Now, look at verse number 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which works worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh, that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Verse 12, for as the body is one and have many members, and also the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, all made to drink into one spirit. Now, we could read more here, but I think, think we've, we've read a sufficient enough portion of this. What did you notice? What were the... So obviously, if you're paying attention, both of these passages dealt with gifts. So that's the obvious starter. The similarity is they're both dealing with gifts. Now, there are some differences in the two passages, but that's not what I want to point out right now. What are the similarities? What did you notice was the overlap between... These two passages of scripture regarding spiritual gifts. What are you noticing as similarities? Anybody wants to go first? That diff- okay. That yep. There are different people having different gifts. Okay. So there's a difference, and that, that was, yeah, there's a whole list. Some have this in rhymes, some have this, so there's a difference in giftedness. That's similar in both passages. What else is similar in both passages? What else? Somebody noticed a similarity in the two passages. They both refer to members of the body. Yeah, that stood out to me a lot. That the body is emphasized in both of them. And the, the, the membership in the body. So that's that's I think so far those two things are key. There's probably one or two other like big things, and then maybe some things you notice. First, Frank, then Bill. What comes about faith? Yes. The, the, the faith is important; is an emphasis. Who are you going to say? Well, specified prophecy Prophecies mentioned in both lists, so there's that. That's one overlap there. Sure. What else is similar? I'll show you. There's one other thing that is that is emphasized in both that you'll see in just a minute. So that's good. Those are good observations. So. Before I go into that, I want to explain one thing. So you're going to also need to turn to Ephesians chapter number four. So you're going to need to look at your Ephesians four passage now as well. There's, let's go to Ephesians four. I should have been ready for that one. I told, I asked you all to be ready, and I was not. So Ephesians four. And what, what, oh, verse 7. Let's pick it up in verse 7. Ephesians 4, 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens that he might fill Things now. Verses the the part about the ascension is a parenthetical, so we're not going to really talk about that. So, if, if you notice the emphasis of verse seven, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. In verse number eight: When when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. Then after the parentheses, verse eleven now he explains the gifts, and he gave and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son, I'm in verse 13, we're good. Unto the uh, knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What else was similar in this passage? What else was similar here? We saw the body again, right? So in all passages we see the answers on the body. There's one other similarity in all three of these that, that wasn't mentioned yet. I'll point that out soon. And There's, also, a, there's a theme of unity. That's a that's good. It's one body. Yeah, so it's not just a body, but a, a one body. And if you were in 1 Corinthians, you would see even more later on. It talks about how the parts, the gifts, shouldn't be arguing with each other. Like, Well, I'm not the foot, or I'm not the hand, or I'm the eye. I'm impressive. That's, yeah. So there's a unity The gifts are supposed to yeah advance that unity. What's different in these? What, have you, what did you notice that were differences in these lists or in these passages? Any differences? I think the biggest one is they're different things described in each passage, right? If somebody marked out in the one um, in the one passage prophecy was mentioned in both. But otherwise, there's a lot of difference, right? Different groupings of, of gifts. Any other differences? Real simple. That you notice. Okay. So, that being said, I want to point something out to you right from the get-go. What you'll find, a helpful way that I have found to understand this is... I do not believe that when you look at these lists of gifts, I actually don't believe that this is an exhaustive list of every way somebody could be gifted by the Spirit. Some people do believe that. I think what you're seeing in these passages are examples of giftedness. I don't know that it's that we're limited to those. Now, you may believe that we are limited to those. I think that and, and that's okay. I think because you're seeing different lists here, different lists there, I think what Paul is doing is giving us examples, not necessarily a limited list, okay? I wouldn't really argue with somebody on that. If you disagree with that and say, no, this is it, I'm fine with that too, because there's plenty here to go around, even if this is a limitation. Um, But you do find different things. Like in Ephesians chapter 4, for instance, I found these, these categories to be helpful in Ephesians chapter 4, you find leadership gifts. Did you notice that in this passage? In, you have prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. These are gifts of leadership to the body, people that are helping advance the, lead the advancement of the mission. It is interesting that prophecy is mentioned in all three. I think it's the only one that's mentioned in all three. And so I'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, and the important role of prophecy in the spiritual gifts. So, But other than prophecy, the lists are different, and I think you have, in Ephesians 4, a summary of leadership gifts to the body. Any questions, comments, thoughts on that? We're just, basically, we see that there, right? Now, if you were to look at the 1 Corinthians passage... What you would find are miraculous gifts. You'd find a lot of miraculous gifts recorded in First Corinthians chapter number 12. You have, in verse number 7 of 1 Corinthians 12, you have this manifestation of the Spirit. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of healing, working of miracles. Again, prophesy, discerning the Spirit's. Uh, different kinds of languages. This would be miraculous speaking in languages or uh, tongues. So you find miraculous gifts in 1 Corinthians. And by the way, if you continue to study 1 Corinthians, how was the church handling those miraculous gifts? Were they stewarding them well or stewarding them poorly? poorly. Very poorly. The miraculous gifts were being stewarded very poorly by the church. But you definitely have miraculous gifts in. 1 Corinthians 12. And in Romans 12, I think what you have are gifts of service, gifts of service. And you'll see that in the in the lists. So now when it comes to sign gifts, this is really important to get, get out from the outset. When it comes to the sign gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the predominant view of the Christian church up until a hundred years ago, the predominant view of the Christian church in multiple denominations was that the sign gifts were, were active during the apostolic era. In other words, while the apostles were alive, there were miraculous gifts that were given. It wasn't until the turn of the century that denominations rose up Claiming a remanifestation of the sign gifts that were experienced in the early church. And so I think it's been an un, I believe it's been an unhealthy development among evangelical Christianity to try to recreate the sign gifts that were present in the early church. It's, it's just not been the pattern of church history up until fairly recently, and there have been a lot of abuses um, in, in those movements. Now, the point of this message isn't to answer all of those questions. But I would have you notice this this one additional reference, which is 2 Corinthians 12.12. I think we'll put that on the screen. This is Paul speaking, and he says this. Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now, that's an interesting note there, isn't it? Paul indicates that there are signs that would substantiate the fact that he is an apostle. So, without going into a full discussion on this, I'm just going to state it this way. I believe the best understanding of the miraculous gifts was that they served a specific purpose, and that was to authenticate the witness of the apostles and their message. So, in other words, Jesus says, you're going to go out and start the church. You're going to tell all the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. They go and to all the world. I say to Patrick, who's been a Jew for, not literally, but we're going back in time. This is Patrick in somewhere in the the Middle East, and he worships the synagogue every Saturday, and I say, Patrick, you got to understand, the Messiah of the Old Testament has come. His name is Jesus. Now, Patrick is so removed from Jerusalem, he's going to expect me to authenticate what I'm saying, correct? You wouldn't just take my word for it. So God gave miraculous signs to the early church to substantiate the witness. When the word of God is given, when this is complete and we've received it, we no longer have the need for miraculous signs. What is one of the biggest dangers of signs and wonders? Is the Holy Spirit the only one who performs signs and wonders? No. The spirit, does the spirit of Antichrist perform signs and wonders? Yes. So it's very dangerous for us to seek after signs and wonders. In fact, uh, this is addressed multiple times in the New Testament. If you have questions about that, I'd love to sit down and do a careful Bible study with you about that, because I do believe a lot of Christians are misguided based on things that they experience in the charismatic movement. Um, and so and I'm trying to put, put it kindly and delicately because there are many, many wonderful Christian people who, who are involved in that movement, I believe it's an unbiblical and unhealthy understanding of the scriptures. So, that being said, there, I believe in these categories of gifts. There's the leadership gifts, there's the sign gifts, and there's the service gifts. Now, we saw this, the, the, the similarities, so let me ask you this question under the discussion. Let's dive into the discussion now, and maybe you can help me out. What is, in everything that we've read... What is the purpose of all spiritual gifts? Or maybe we should make that plural. What are some of the purposes, even of the sign gifts, of the leadership gifts, of the service gifts? What are the purposes of all spiritual gifts? Go ahead and help me out. Yes. What are Patrick? To show God's love to the world. Show God's love. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yes? To conform everyone to the emergency. Yeah, where we're, the mission is to see disciples conform to the image of Christ. What else is the purpose of the of these gifts? The church. Sorry. The building up the church. Yeah, the 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 edification of the church, the strengthening of the church, that the church would be established. All of these gifts serve that purpose. Yes. I would say that can see. Yeah. Absolutely. Also produces unity. Right, the unity of the body, because as we are all exercising our gifts, we're serving, we're actually serving one another. And if you were to study, if you were to study that first Corinthians passage and go on into the following chapters, you would also find that he said, he said to the church, hey, if I have all the gifts in the world, but I don't have this one really important thing, then it's all meaningless. What was that one really important thing? Yeah, it's love. It's love. He also said, I could speak every language known to mankind and the angels. But if I didn't have charity, if I didn't have love, what would it matter? He said, I could speak in all these languages, but if I can't, I'd rather speak one word to edify. But I would say the same thing. You can have, you know, we, in the passage, knowledge puffs up. You can have all this knowledge. You can have all this wisdom. You can have this gift. gift. But the rule of it all is love. It's to demonstrate love one to another. To build the body of Christ. To conform one another into the image of Christ. And other things that you shared with us. And if you think about it, each category accomplished that purpose. Right? The leadership gifts are provide that guidance. The assigned gifts... Established the church, gave us the scriptures, and now these service gifts point us all together and they strengthen us. Now, this is the other similarity between these passages that nobody pointed out, and that is the second discussion question here. According to the passages, who has received spiritual gifts? Saints.
1: How many of the saints?
0: Everyone and you'll find that all, every Christian has been gifted by the Holy Spirit. We've all been given gifts. Now, we haven't all been given the same gifts. We haven't all been given the same number of gifts. There is not a Christian that has not been gifted by the Holy Spirit. We all have. So, have you ever wondered this though spiritual gifts versus our natural gifts Have you ever thought about that? anybody in here like well, I have this spiritual gift, but then also there's these what how do you think that those relate to each other? any thoughts on that? what I mean by by spiritual gifts or versus natural gifts like maybe you were you've just always been this way even before you were a Christian. so I'm curious what your what your thoughts are on that? Well, they still come from God, even if they're considered your natural gifts. That's a, that's a great possibility. I mean, the Lord knew before the foundation of the world those who would be in him, right? He knew the ones who would receive. It is a possibility that that was built into your DNA. I have no issue with that at all. One big any other thoughts on that spiritual gifts versus natural gifts. Well, when you have those types of gifts you're born to you come to the crossroads in life, whether you, you want to use them for the glory of God or you want to use them for other purposes, hmm. Bill. i say about the same thing, you know, Paul was a pretty good writer before he was a Christian. Pretty well when he was a Christian. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So, were you guys saying that? Deborah? Not very similar, but just that that's really the original purpose that God had for how it is to look for yourself, even before you were a Christian. Right. I do think that there is, um, I, I think that we do need to be careful, though, because I do believe there is a sense here that these are these are gifts that are special unique to the believer and so while i don't necessarily disagree with you the bible doesn't say it clearly but i think there's a danger in just leaning on our natural gifts instead of exploring well how has god uniquely equipped me in christ how has god uniquely equipped me now that i'm a believer And so I think sometimes it it could be, and again, the Bible doesn't speak authoritatively on this, but it does seem to indicate that now that I'm in Christ, like, I couldn't have this gift before because it's a gift of who? It's a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit. So we should spend time thinking, well, Holy Spirit, how have you equipped me in a supernatural way, in a special way? I think that's important. Now, for some of us, if you got saved, if you came to know Christ and you received the Holy Spirit at a very young age, it's going to be very difficult to distinguish between your natural gifts, your spiritual gifts, etc. But, um, so I don't think we should stress out over it, but at the same time, we do need to realize that we are especially equipped because of the Holy Spirit, and when we serve in certain ways, it's the Holy Spirit accomplishing that through us. Any other thoughts on that before we move away from that question? an example from many times I've heard pastors say they got saved and then God called them to ministry and then the whole idea prior to that to standing in front of people and teaching and preaching was foreign to them. There was no way that they were going to get up in front of people and speak. And so that they've been gifted uh, yeah. by the Lord to enable them to do that. Mm. Yeah. Well obviously teaching... I don't exist for a non-Christian they've got nothing they can teach. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 biblical teaching. Yeah, it's interesting. Anybody else thoughts on this before we move on? Yes. When I became a Christian, I told God, I'll do anything as long as you don't make me preach. Yeah. <laughs> and you've preached a few times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he made me eat those words. Yeah. He that's... said, now you're ready to do anything. Yeah the spiritual gifts are uniquely given by the holy spirit so let me ask you this could you could you tell me right now and i'm not don't do this but maybe write it down on your paper could you identify what your spiritual gift is i mean do you know could you could you say you know i'm i'm gifted here this is this is the gift that i have because based on the romans passage We'll finish by taking a few minutes to walk through that, just the two, three verses. Based on the Roman passage, it seems to indicate that we should be aware of our spiritual gifts. Because look at what it says, actually. In fact, look at, look at Romans 12, and look at verse number 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophesy, let us prophesy. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. And he says this. It's almost as if we're saying, well, it's not almost as if. What he's saying is, if this is your gift, you should what? Use it. Exercise it. Make sure you're doing it. So by implication, it would be helpful to know what your gift is. Would you not? I mean, do you think that's a fair uh, extrapolation from the passage here? That it would be helpful for us to know a gift if we're supposed to focus on it? So do you know your gift? Now, what if someone would say, well, I am just not sure. Let's help each other out here. If someone was here, someone were here, and they said, boy, okay, you got me. I believe that I have a gift from the Holy Spirit because the Bible says it, but I'm not sure what it is. What are some ways that Christians can begin to discern their spiritual gift? And I, I don't advise spiritual gift tests. Not a big fan of them. If you like them, great. But they exist. I feel like they mimic personality or Myers-Briggs tests way too much. Like, So how would you go about discerning your spiritual gift? On a very practical level. You can just get involved in different things. Um, also listen to other people. Because a lot of times, other people that watch you and see what you're doing, they have, not that they know, but they'd be like, oh, I I see that you're really good at serving people. You're really good at um, thinking of others and bringing things to them, and they're maybe down and noticing that. So, getting involved in different ministries in different areas of your church and listening to others. Yeah, so get involved and get counsel from Christians that are further down the road than you. So, that was a well put, well said. you you got to start moving in a direction God will reveal that to you. Yeah? Yeah, I do often find that other people will see it before you a lot of times. But, I like giving you this prescription. Try and show God's love to people. And as you do that, your spiritual gift will make That's really good. Like, what way because that's the goal of the gift is to show love to someone. So if you're just if you just look at a person and say, I'm gonna love this person, spirit, the spirit is going to Amen. just work that gift out. That's that's really good. I've never heard it put that way. I like that a lot. You need to pray too. You need to pray and seek, and and seek the spirit and his his guidance. How else can you discern? Are there other ways? Oh back to what Bethany said about other people noticing your gift. That is biblical, and I'll give you an example of that. If you can, it says, if a man desires the office of a bishop, for instance, if he thinks he's got the gift of being a pastor, there are requirements given, right? A bishop must be blameless, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that assumes who is making that determination. Is the, is the, the one who wants to be the bishop or the elder is the person who makes that determination? Who is it? Body. It's the body. It's the body. The scripture is given to the church to say, hey, if you're going to, be, if, if you're going to recognize a bishop, these are the things you should look for. That's how you... That's, 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 that's biblical ordination to ordain elders. We don't... You know, we bring in pastoral councils to advise congregations, but it's a local church that recognizes the giftedness of that member of the body in that area. And in the same way, the... the the bishop then is the overseer of the church and is responsible to help put people in their gifted get uh, giftedness. And in fact, if you look back at that Ephesians passage, it says that it's the pastors, teachers, the that are equipping the saints doing the, the for the work of the ministry. So, yeah, so you're gonna have leadership that helps you with your finding your gift too. What are you gonna say? Well, the people with the Mm. Yeah, they're encouragers. Yeah. These are, real, are all really good thoughts on this. So, we've been given a gift. It's got a purpose. We need to use it. If we don't use our gift, if we're not actively using the gift God has given us, then the body is not complete. Right? And I think that's a sense of personal responsibility that we each need to have. So, in the 1 Corinthians passage, all these gifts are like our body. So, To follow the illustration out, if you represent the hand, and you just decide you're not going to get involved today, then that part of the body becomes paralyzed. It's not fully functioning. If you don't use your gift, then in some way, the body is going to suffer. This question... So then if that's the case, are we sinning? Are we sinning to not use our gift? Well, I think, I think. well, what do you all think? Is it a sin to not use your gift? I think if you know what your gift is, then it's sin not to use it. To him that knows to do good and doeth it not. Yeah. If, if you know what you are supposed to do, that's what the scripture says, if to, to him that knows to do right and does it not, to him it is sin. If you're, it's not a, it's it's considered a sin of omission, right? You're not committing something, you're not committing something against the Lord. You're withholding, you're omitting a key responsibility in your Christian life. So yeah, it, it would be to sin. I do think Patrick's point, though, was if you know, right? Because we're all at different stages of our Christian growth. So like in this moment, If you're like, in this moment, if the Holy Spirit is bringing awareness, like, yeah, you know what? I should be serving with my gift. You're bringing brought into that level. Now you've got some accountability here. I think a young Christian who's just learning, that's a little different. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, I guess my point was, once, once the Holy Spirit has really convicted you and identified in your life, this is the gift that you've been given and then, and then, and you recognize that you do nothing with it. And, yeah, I would say that, yeah, that's... Fine. Well, you become the, you become the unjust servant, right? Or the one who the master said, I gave you, you know, I gave you ten, I gave you five, I gave you one. And the one with the one, what did they do with it? They just buried them. They just buried their money in the ground. They didn't invest it. And the Lord was... Yeah, he's angry with that servant. To whom much is given, much is required. In fact, the more giftedness, the greater responsibility, which is interesting. In fact, James said, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that ye shall receive the greater condemnation. What do you mean by that? I'll paraphrase it. Don't everybody look like you want to be the boss and in charge? Because the one who is in charge is going to have a greater judgment. So, very interesting. So, there are one, two, three, four, five, six gifts that I believe are clearly laid out in Romans 12. They're they're not, I don't believe it's necessarily an exhaustive list, but these are Gifts that I think you should probably find one, if not more, of these active in your life. The first one is the one that we said was common to all of these, and that is the gift of prophecy. It is the gift of prophecy. Now, from the get-go, you you do need to understand that prophecy can be both a miraculous gift and also a non-miraculous gift. It's just the way that prophecy is used in the Bible is both is both miraculous and non-miraculous. What is the role of a prophet to do? Is the role of a prophet defined simply by telling the future? Yes or no? No. A prophet is simply one that says what? This is the word of God. This is what God has said. Now in the early church we needed a miraculous gift of prophecy because we did not have the completed word of God yet. So the prophets were used to give clarity and direction before the word of God was given. But there are many Christians and and many Bible teachers that make a strong argument that what is happening when the word is preached is a form of the prophetic ministry. That when someone stands up and proclaims the word of God, this is what God has said that is prophecy in action today. I think if you put if you if you put some scriptures together on that, I think that that's a compelling case to be made. I would say what I'm doing right now, what I'm doing right now is probably more teaching than prophetic. You understand what I mean? I mean, we're kind of walking through this passage together. For prophecy, the word of the prophet, the Old Testament and New Testament is hey, this is the Word of God, and you need to get in line with the Word of God. This is what God's Word says, this is how you get in line with it. So very often I, I believe what says I understand it, very often what is happening in a Sunday morning message, I believe, is a prophetic is, is a prophetic word. Thus saith the Lord, this is God. Now there's a blend in, in the preaching and teaching ministry of the church, there's a blend. Of that, whether it's proclamation, whether it's invitation, or it's prophetic. But that, thus saith the Lord, gift, I believe in that sense is still very much in operation today. Now, that is more uh, an argument of inference. We're putting it all together, it's not an explicitly laid out. Um, but it is interesting that it is the only gift that is mentioned in all of the three lists. And I believe that's because it has diversity. In its application. So, again, that, that this is this is probably the one that's probably the most debate over. I'm giving you my understanding of it. I think it's a healthy way to look at it. You might disagree. And I can live with that. Um, but I believe that certain people are given the ability to just know how to take the word of God and just put it into somebody's life and say, hey, this is what God's word says, and this is how you need it where you live today. A lot of there are a lot of pastors that have that gift. How many times have you have you listened to a sermon and you're like, man, I read that passage, but I just did not see how impactful it was to me in my life right now until it was just presented to me that way. I would see that as a gift of prophecy. I don't think it only happens in the in the pulpit, though, I think there are people that can take the Word of God and they can speak it into people's lives. They can identify in people's lives. Hey, you need to get back lined up with the Word of God here. You need to get this area straightened out according to the Scriptures. And the prophet speaks with that boldness and that authority in the Word of God. Thoughts, comments on that before I move on? Okay. Second gift is the gift of ministry. You see that in verse number... See that in verse number. I'm oh, not even in the right passage. Here we go, verse number uh, seven. The gift of ministry. Let us weigh down our ministry. What is this person? How would you describe that gift? What's what, what is this person? The gift of ministry. Yes, sir. It's okay. I that's. I can see why you'd say that because ministry. You're thinking you know in the ministry, in the New Testament though. When you see the word ministry, it wasn't used that way. The minister was literally, it just means a servant. And in fact, some modern translations will use the idea of, they'll refer to this as the gift of helps. It is the gift of helps. Because somebody, the minister was the person who served the tables, or washed the feet, or cleaned up after everybody. So, it's, and people don't think of it that way. But I've had people that are like, these are the kind of people that are like, oh, what needs to be done? Let me help with that. I'm going to do that. I'll sign up for that. The the, the bathrooms need to be cleaned. I'll do that. Now, with all of the gifts, is it okay for us to be like, well, I don't know if I can help out. I just don't have the gift of helping. (laughs) I just don't have the gift of ministry. Is that what we're saying? No, we're not saying that. We all should try to exhibit all of these things in our lives. However, There just seem to be people that God has just given them that role. And they just, they help, they help, they help, they help, and they love it. They feel God's power in them as they help. It is a spiritual gift. Just as much as somebody standing up and teaching, that gift of being a helper is a a huge gift to church. I I could think of several people in our church that definitely have that gift of ministry. The gift of helps. Okay, the third one. The gift of teaching. The gift of teaching. I think we understand this. These are people that can take the information of God's word, break it down in a way that's understandable to other people. It needs to happen at all levels in the church, from the oldest to the youngest. We need people that can take important truths and make them understandable and digestible for people. This is one you're not going to know you have it until you try it, and you would start trying, and you might find out. Eh, I don't know if I have this gift. I'm not sure this is right for me, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can take small steps along the way to see if to see if that's uh, how God has equipped you. Number four is the gift of exhortation. Simply put, exhortation is encouraging. Just encouraging. Are you a person that comes along and encourages people? I can think of one person in our church, and she's not here tonight, that I think of in this role is Mrs. Bailey. And I will talk to her at different times, and I find out, like, you know, she's talking to people in our church, or she visited this person or that person, and I'm just—nobody asked her to do that. Nobody gave her the ministry of— but she just takes it upon herself because I see her doing that all the time. She just wants to encourage people, she wants to help people. And she's not here to defend herself, but I would I would tell her she's got that gift right there. It's apparent. And I have other I know other people that they exhibit that. Any thoughts on that gift of encouragement? Exhortation. We're kind of wrapping up because we've gone long. Number five, the gift of ruling. What do you think the gift of ruling is? What is the gift of ruling? Somebody? What is, the, what is the gift of ruling? Administration. Yeah, it's like administration. This is somebody that can organize things. They can take charge. They can make uh, make things happen. I, I missed a gift in here too, right? Isn't there the gift of giving? And I didn't even put that in here. The gift of giving no, that doesn't mean that Christians shouldn't give. So write that in, 5.5 or whatever. I don't know how I missed that one. There's, mercy. Huh? Mercy's on here. Number six, the gift of mercy. Oh, you don't have blanks filled out. I'm so sorry. My blanks are filled in. I put, teach, I put uh, prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhorting, ruling, and mercy. And I, I just miss giving in there. So, you you can think about them, you can pray about them, but remember, God has gifted you. And part of of us seeing discipleship move forward means we all have to exercise those gifts, one for another. So I'll just open it up, any closing thoughts from anybody here before we wrap it up. Yes? I just wondered, how do you distinguish from prophecy and teaching? I heard somebody give a an illustration saying that teaching is the drawing out of the truth of God's word, and preaching is the looking in. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I well, I would say, I'm going to say, I would put it this way. Prophecy versus uh, teaching. And, and I think there's definite overlap. But I think that the prophecy has a more direct application to the need to change something in your life. So, I would say it's one thing, like, we might be understanding a passage tonight, I'm teaching tonight, and we're, like, nodding along, we're like, yes. But where the prophetic instance comes in and says, hey, like, the prophetic would be this, you have a spiritual gift, you are not using it, you are sinning. The you're, you're bringing people to that point of conviction, right. That you have not, you have, you, if you are not doing this, you are disobeying the Bible. Please take action, correct course, right now. As opposed to, let's all understand this. What does it mean? Well, it means this. That's in my best explanation, Bill. I might not be 100% right on that. That's how I see it. One is declaring the truth, the other is dissecting the truth. Yeah. Right. I think preaching, though, is a word. I would, I would use preaching. Preaching simply means proclamation. So, prophecy, you have three words, really. Preaching, prophecy, and teaching. So, I think that preaching is going to sometimes involve a prophetic, and sometimes it involve a teaching aspect. I, I think it's an unhealthy distinction to make it preaching versus teaching. I think it would be better to say prophesying versus teaching. Is preaching, we all preach. We simply herald and proclaim the gospel. So, I'm a little picky about words, but, yeah. i just point out that, that Solomon and Ecclesiastes, at the end, end chapter, kind of explain how the, preach, the preachers will have the ability, like the master builder, that can actually kind of like dice like you said, dissect. Yeah. And explain how, how right. things are built. Yeah. The way I would put it is good preaching, as we think of in the formal sense, is going to involve, involve both the prophetic and the teaching gifts. That's how I would say it. Good preaching, biblical preaching, is both prophetic and teaching. Anyway, anything else on the spiritual gifts? Wait, uh, it's mercy. Mercy is showing compassion. Mercy is the person that mercy is the person that puts their arm around the wayward brother. The prophet let them know that their life was a mess, and the person with mercy came around and said, "Let me help you get it back. Let me help you get back on track here." And we need those mercy people. A lot of times, people with the gift of prophecy struggle with the gift of, of mercy. It's a thing. Or exhortation. Again, it doesn't make us off the hook for anything. These are all good qualities to strive for in our lives. Some people are just are given this giftedness in a special way. And you should embrace it, run with it, and get better and better at it. Do it more and more. Anything else? All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for this just good conversation we had tonight. Thank you for your word. And I thank you for our church and how you've gifted us all in different ways. Please help us to know our gifts, to use our gifts. Lord, I do pray for people that are, that are not involved. Lord, I pray that you'd stir their hearts, that you'd convict them. And Lord, help us to, uh, to use our gifts to encourage them as well. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.